Hi, everyone. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 43. To tell you a little bit about ourselves, LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. Towards this end, we have two websites, an archive website, llresearch.org, and a community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, uh, we gather to form a panel to consider questions from you. That panel consists of Jim McCarty, husband to the late Carla Ruckert, scribe for The Raw Contact, and president of LL Research, along with the esteemed Austin Bridges and myself, who are working hard to keep the mission of LL Research alive and well. Each of us is a devoted seeker and student of the law of one. So this podcast is intended to be a platform of discussion as we consider your questions and as your questions challenge us to articulate our own perspective. Our replies, of course, are not final and authoritative. Instead, they're generally subjective interpretations and they stem from our own studies and life experiences, naturally. And we ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and listen for their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you would like to send us a question for the show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. And we wrap up the intro by saying I'm Gary Bean and we're embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast in the now. Austin and Jim, are you guys on board? On board and ready. Ready to go. Let's get the ship in the water then. We have a series of questions from a friend, an excellent questioner who really does challenge us, um, named Lily. And uh, Lily prefaces her four questions by saying, Intelligent energy, intelligent infinity, and the gateway to intelligent infinity are a few important basic concepts or building blocks in Ra's teaching. And the first of her four questions. She asks, are these concepts unique or are there similar concepts in other spiritual teachings? Jim, what do you think? Well, I think in Christianity is probably the most obvious one since we're all raised in it. Uh, In the Bible, Jesus says, uh, I and the Father are one. I think that um, God or the Creator is probably, in this instance, the uh, equivalent of intelligent infinity. And that Jesus would be the equivalent of intelligent energy, the uh, one who is born into the world, the world of mortal flesh, and who moves about here at the behest and in... um, representation of the father who sent him and Jesus through his uh, wanderings from about the time he was 13 until 25 he apparently went to many different places uh, in Middle East and Far East and learned the various types of teachings they had to offer there and was able to synthesize those to such an extent that he was able to make contact with what we would call God or the father within and to make uh, that manifest in his life so that really it was the Father who lived through him. So I think that uh, Christianity is probably the the most obvious one that I know of. Uh, Austin, how about you? What do you know about? That is an interesting correlation. I took a bit more of a direct approach in the terminology. Um, Ra, throughout the material, several times referred to intelligent infinity also as infinite intelligence. 
which is a spiritual concept that does exist outside of the raw material uh, from the New Thought Movement. And the New Thought Movement, it's something that developed in the 19th century and is basically what has influenced the New Age community today. So you see this term being used among a lot of different schools of thought and teachings uh, within the New Age community. And I know that I've seen it from the spiritualist group at uh, Camp Chesterfield that Gary and I visited one time. Um, they used the term infinite intelligence to describe uh, essentially a god or the creator, uh, but in a broader sense than you might look at uh, in a literal interpretation of religion. So there is that term that is used outside of the raw material that means almost the same thing, though I think raw mostly used it in a more sp specific way. Then regarding the gateway to intelligent infinity, uh, Ra talks about the indigo ray energy center being this gateway. And there's an obvious deep connection between the Hindu tradition of the chakras and Ra's own teachings of the energy centers. Uh, though there are some differences between these teachings. Uh, but in the Hindu tradition, the indigo chakra is basically the third eye chakra, meaning that while our two eyes see in the physical world, our third eye reveals uh, insights about the deeper universe. And in the Hindu tradition, it's believed that spiritual energy from the environment enters the body through this chakra. And I think that's very similar to what Ra said, especially in uh, 3910. They say the indigo ray, though precious, is that ray worked upon only by the adept, as you would call it. It is the gateway to intelligent infinity, bringing intelligent energy through. This is the energy center worked upon in those teachings, considered inner, hidden, and occult. For this ray is that which is infinite in its possibilities. As you are aware, those who heal, teach, and work for the Creator in any way, may, any way which may be seen to be both radiant and balanced, are those activities which are indigo ray. So that is for intelligent infinity and gateway to intelligent infinity. As for intelligent energy, I'm not sure I really understand any of this enough to comment on that. Um, but I do think it is probably similar to what you hear about when you uh, think about chi or like Reiki energy or stuff like that. I'm pretty sure there's a pretty deep connection between intelligent energy and those types of things. How about you, Gary? Uh, fantastic answers on both of your accounts, and especially the Jesus and the Father. Um, <clears throat> being symbols of or, or Christian representations of intelligent energy and intelligent energy. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, this is one question where, um, as with past questions, I feel like I'm going to fall very short uh, because I just don't, unfortunately, despite my years of spiritual seeking, don't have a really encyclopedic understanding of the existing world's wisdom traditions. Um, of course, like many Law of One students, I... Um, have expanded beyond the boundaries of the law of one system itself, but um, it doesn't always stick so well in my head. This is this is definitely one area where I wish I wasn't um, so weak in. But um, as with many other law of one students, I have uh, stumbled upon a lot of correlations between what the law of one says about reality and truth and experience and what other uh, more seemingly terrestrial wisdom traditions have uh, posited about the spiritual uh, evolutionary path. Um, if you want to look to somebody 
who in one source may help to find some correlations for you. I'd recommend Ken Wilber because um, he is uh, as close to a human encyclopedia as it gets in terms of understanding um, our systems of philosophy, spirituality, and religion. Uh, regarding intelligent energy, I'll build a little bit off uh, off of uh, what Austin said. And uh, Ra likens intelligent... Or they, they do... Um, draw upon one term in our existing vocabulary for describing intelligent energy, and that's prana. They use the word prana uh, several times throughout the text. Uh, specifically in 56.3, they say, spiraling prana, as some have called this all-present primal distortion of the one infinite creator. Um, they, they use it in connection to the upward spiraling light, which I have always assumed is uh, intelligent energy manifesting. Um, but I think intelligent energy, like Austin was getting at, can be called chi or ki or life force. Any of those, uh, whether it's martial arts or um, Hindu disciplines that um, you might say quiet the mind and tap into that subtle, subtle uh, vibratory, all-pervasive present energy um or probably i would think working with what ra calls intelligent energy um and the experience of intelligent infinity put into other um conceptual and contextual terms might be likened unto the void or emptiness or choiceless awareness or various grades of enlightenment, samadhi, uh, kensho, nirvana, etc. There are a plethora of terms out there and I think um, many of them, especially the, the higher reaches of the enlightenment experience, are describing contact with experience of uh, intelligent infinity itself and i'm in terms of the gateway i'm sure that especially within the hindu and buddhist systems that there are descriptions of thresholds and crossings but unfortunately i have little personal familiarity so that about wraps my answer up uh jim or austin do you have anything further to offer not on that area nope i don't think so all right moving along um, Lily asks, are there similar concepts in science? And um, I'll take this one first because, unfortunately, I have no idea. So um, that will be the sum, <laughs> the sum of my reply, and I'll turn it over to see what Jim has. Ditto. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd have to study for quite a while. I'm, I'm sure that somewhere in the concepts of science, I mean, I, I guess even uh, probably more likely in Larsonian physics, where Larson is talking about uh, space-time and time-space, he's got uh, those concepts in there pretty well. Uh, not that they're that much related to um, intelligent energy, intelligent infinity. But he does posit uh, three dimensions of time and three dimensions of space. And Don thought that that was the correct concept to uh, look at our universe by. And again, I don't see anything there that's really um, cogent here. So uh, Austin, help us out. <laughs> I wish I had a great answer. Um, I don't know about any sort of specific correlations where I don't think sciences would actually uh, come close to grasping the idea of intelligent infinity or intelligent energy. That sort of stuff seems like it is uh, outside of the um, 
acceptance of the scientific community right now. So the best I can do to answer this question is to talk about uh, how Ra correlated intelligent infinity and intelligent energy as being the potential and the kinetic of unity because uh, potential energy and kinetic energy are rather core concepts in physics. Uh, and the short description is simply that uh, potential is this stored energy of something based on like its position or its arrangement. So taking uh, into account gravity, you could say that so you have a boulder at the top of a hill and its uh, potential is the amount of energy it would release by rolling it down the hill. And then the kinetic for that would be actually rolling it down the hill and the boulder in motion releasing that energy. And another example might be something like a spring, where if you compress the spring, it has a potential of the energy that will be released when you... Uh, uncompress the spring and then as the spring is uncompressing that is the kinetic energy of that spring and so Ra says that intelligent infinity is the potential of unity and intelligent energy is the kinetic of unity so you could sort of see uh, in that correlation intelligent infinity being the stillness of the creator that has the potential for movement and then the kinetic uh, is the actual movement from that stillness that is the closest I can do to connecting it to science uh, because I think Ra used those terms because of that connection in physics. I think they're very basic, and uh, I'm sure Don would have had those on the forefront of his mind. Good job. Uh, that's that's all I can do. Good job, Austin. Thank yeah, you. you were our last hope, and you came through. <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's at least a two-base hit. Um <clears throat> It occurred to me while listening to you that um, in relation to her previous question about are there similar concepts in other spiritual teachings, I think intelligent energy makes an appearance in a, uh, another universe, and that is one that is far, far – that is one in a galaxy that is far, far away. <laughs> um, and that would be the Force in the um, mythology of Star Wars. I think the Force could – probably be likened unto intelligent energy uh, possessing as it does a dark side and a light side but um, a basic life energy that is available and can be used and um, relative to the citizens of that world in somewhat uh, magical or extraordinary or paranormal ways <clears throat> yeah uh, as Obi-Wan Kenobi said the force is what gives a Jedi his power it is an energy field created by all living things it surrounds us and penetrates us it binds the galaxy together I think that's pretty similar to Ra talking about intelligent energy I have a feeling that you did not need to look that up <laughs> I actually did no. <laughs> and I knew the quote but I had to get the right wording you probably could have gotten really close Austin is our Star Wars resident expert here so, moving along to number three, um, Lily writes, other than creating life forms by Atlantean race, for instance, healing, channeling, performing magic rituals, what are other more ordinary examples of accessing them at will? And by them, she means intelligent energy, intelligent affinity, and so forth. Uh, Austin, what do you think? Uh, that's a... Uh really good question and I wish I had a better grasp on these concepts but uh, one thing that I do think is um, correlated to maybe uh, channeling intelligent energy 
is um, tapping into deep creative inspiration. Many artists and creators talk about having a source of inspiration that seems like it is beyond themselves and like they are tapping into something uh, universal. And I think that this is a manifestation of intelligent energy in a way. And that they are opening the gateway to intelligent infinity to access that. I wouldn't say necessarily that all people who create art are uh, accessing that gateway. But I do feel like um, there are some artists who just uh, are so deeply inspired and uh, are able to present something so universal that is moving for almost everybody that they do tap into this. And I do think that that is uh, more common and less miraculous access to that sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, Jim, how about you? Well, Ross suggests that when we are able to make uh, contact with either intelligent energy or intelligent affinity, especially that there are side effects or basic experiences that come. And uh, the most important ones, I guess, are joy feeling that uh, unity with all of the creation, with the creator, with every other being and entity uh, everywhere. Uh, I think that one of the things that comes from it as a fruit is a desire of uh, such a person to be of service to others, that when a positively oriented entity is able to make this contact with intelligent infinity, that they uh, immediately want to share it with others. They They have the ability at that point, according to Ra, to be harvested, to go on to the fourth density if they wish. They may choose the manner of their entrance into the fourth density. But most positive entities decide that they want to come back and share it because this is something that is so, uh, you know, it's that pearl of great price, is that living waters, is that uh, meat of which you know not, that that nourishes us in ways that we cannot imagine, that uh, they just want to be of service to others. So that is an an immediate outgrowth, I think. And then uh, there's also the the protection that comes, uh, the the creator seems to live within us then and that uh, lives our life uh, for us and moves in front of us to make the crooked places straight and to remove obstacles that might be in our way so that we are able to carry out the will of the creator uh, because we no longer have a will that we would think would be any more important than the creator's will. We now have a purpose in our lives that we can go forward in service to others. So I think that those are the uh, real foundation stones that come from making this contact and uh, Ra talks also about you know being able to channel the uh, healing energies that would go with the heart chakra and the inspiration and information with the uh, throat and then the uh, the indigo ray would channel the intelligent energy in ways that are of uh, a magical nature where we are exploring the nature of our being our being as the one creator. How about you, Gary? What do you think? That was excellent description. Um, <clears throat> Lily uses the word ordinary, and that's a really uh, maybe helpful or at least interesting distinction to make when talking about this question because things can be done that are very, by our consensus reality standards, non-ordinary when working with intelligent energy. Um, One can use intelligent energy to build, destroy, teach, learn, perhaps even travel in very non-ordinary ways that might startle others you could say but at the same time uh, but she asks what are more ordinary examples and i'm sure that all those activities could be done with intelligent energy guised and um uh, under the guise of more ordinary uh, building destroying teaching learning traveling uh, activities i'm not too sure um but a, a couple more 
activities uh, springing from or utilizing intelligent energy that are perhaps more ordinary are loving, <clears throat> I think. Um, if one has fully unblocked, activated, and maximized the heart chakra and through the disciplines of the personality is has moved up through blue and opened the gateway of indigo so that intelligent energy is streaming, I think there would be a very purified and balanced love coming from that individual, balanced um, with wisdom, and would reflect itself as a radiance of being that would be palpable to um, those in proximity to that entity. Um, so there could be some ways that intelligent energy is used and manifested. I think radiance of being is probably the most telling. Whatever the activity of the entity, whether they are um, working at a typewriter or cleaning toilets or um, doing some miraculous or walking on water, I think they will radiate and that will be perceptible to most people at least that aren't too immune or armored against light um and as to the intelligent infinity part of the question um mine is definitely connected with jim's when he was describing those who connect with intelligent infinity or experience it or contact it uh like they have an experience of wanting to share it with others and serve others and the creator makes the crooked ways straight and opens doors that uh, were previously closed and so forth. And Ra describes this in 15.7 when they say, there is but one service, the law is one. The offering of self to creator is the greatest service, the unity, the fountainhead. The entity who seeks the one creator is with infinite intelligence. From this seeking, from this offering, a great multiplicity of opportunities will evolve depending on the mind-body-spirit complex's distortions with regard to the various illusory aspects of energy centers of the various complexes of your illusion. Thus, some become healers, some workers, some teachers, and so forth. I think true and substantial contact with intelligent infinity results in a transformation and a resurrection, uh, a death of the old limited... Um, material, mortal, earthbound personality and the opening um, to the creator that renders the personality transparent. And in that resurrection or transformation, a new self is risen and is born. And then according to the particular talents and energy configuration of that individual, um, they th become instruments for the creator and serve in that particular ca capacity. Like Ra says, some go forth as healers or workers or teachers, you know, whatever may be unique um, to that individual or whatever vacancy they can fill or need they can respond to. Because as Ra describes, love and light goes where it's needed and it's not necessarily a, a planned of four times. So if there's a particular need that somebody can respond to, then they do. One example that occurs to me is um, a lady who went by the the moniker Peace Pilgrim. Mm. And um, I read most of her biography and she describes this progression over the years and decades of her spiritual walk and its oscillation between um, what you might call material desires or egoic desires even and her surrendering to this greater self until finally there was this um, 
final transformation whereby she gave herself completely. And to me, it is a living manifestation and description of what I just read in 15.7. And upon having this transformation or resurrection, her particular service was to um, be this sort of emblem or icon or representation or voice of peace in the world. And um, to convey this message to others, she walked back and forth on her own two feet in, I think, her 60s from coast to coast across the country, accumulating literally thousands of miles on her feet. She had just a few material possessions. She wore a shirt onto which was stitched, I think her name, Peace Pilgrim, And she was keeping track of her miles, but eventually gave up. But she would speak to anyone and everyone about uh, peace and uh, essentially the the greater nature of reality, how we're all connected and what's important and essential and and so forth and and encouraged and spoke to that worldview. And to me, she's an example of someone who had uh, had been resurrected or transformed and had achieved what Jim described as the pearl of great price. And and on that point, the pearl of great price, uh, Jim, maybe you would know, I recall a story from a, maybe a parable or something Jesus said uh, to the extent that um, he described some kind of treasure or, that if you were aware of it, you would give up everything, everything you owned, and you would throw yourself into its pursuit. Does that make sense or ring a bell? Well, that was basically his message wherever he went, was that the things of this world that people think are important are not important. That when you uh, move yourself and your thinking and your being beyond this world, you are storing up treasures in heaven, basically, and that those are what are really important, and that is what will grant you everlasting life, whereas your life here in this world is limited. Yeah, that's it. It's not, there's something specific stuck in my brain whereby he said, I thought, he said that if you were but aware of this, of you know what Jesus had experienced, then you would kind of give up everything. But uh, that concludes my reply to that question. You guys have anything more? Nope, not on that one. Just a... Uh I don't know if it's actually a reply to that question, but a small note about um, ordinary everyday examples of intelligent energy. Ra did use the term, or did say that intelligent energy is that which governs the rhythms of our universe uh, that we might call natural laws, I think. And they said that it animates our illusion. Mm -hmm. And then they gave uh, physical evolution as one example of this. And they actually equated physical evolution to intelligent energy. Mm. And so um, while that is not necessarily maybe a human manifesting uh, intelligent energy, it is uh, an example of how intelligent energy works in our universe that you might see in everyday ways. Uh, That's a really helpful point. And it connects to a thought I've had about orthodox mainstream science which recognizes evolution i mean it can look at the fossil record and the um the strata on earth and see um evolution from simple cell organisms to increasingly more complex intelligent and aware organisms all the way up to what they recognize as the apex of um, evolution and that's the human being but see it all as this um 
this process of random mutation and natural selection and um, mutated beings being more adaptive to their environment and thus succeeding over the those who didn't get the mutation and so forth and why they don't recognize some in, uh, intelligence behind the scenes or some intelligent driving force um, <clears throat> guiding or pushing or driving the um, upward moving evolution of species and life forms it uh, seems so logical but I don't know <laughs> I'm not a scientist um, according to Ken Wilbur who is generally right about these sorts of things and I think his uh, degree is actually in biology um, orig Darwin's original theory of evolution included an aspect of evolution adapting to the environment not just through random mutations but through some sort of sensing of the environment and so uh, adaptations would present themselves that were more suitable to the environment rather than a random uh, mutation just randomly being more suitable and then getting chosen and uh, that is a theory that the scientific community has sort of moved away from in what they call neo-Darwinism instead of Darwinism now, uh, I've tried looking this up and reading about this separate from Ken Wilbur, and I can't necessarily find the same correlations that he found. Uh, but so far as I understand it, Darwin's original theory was closer to what you're talking about and the scientific community. Um, I don't know if it's because they feel like there's evidence to support moving away from that or if they uh, just don't like the idea of there being a more mystical component to something that they feel should just be dead matter interacting randomly. Uh, could be one or the other, I think. But uh, Darwin did feel like that, I believe. Yeah, because uh, that's really interesting to hear. I had no idea. It sort of upsets the apple cart in placing consciousness as primary or at least positing an intelligence that is greater than um, the brain or physical matter itself whereas orthodox science today so far as I understand sees consciousness as being derivative of or arising from matter <laughs> rather than mm -hmm. the reverse right yeah uh, Ken Wilber says that uh, the scientific community has it 98% right about evolution it's just that 2% yeah. that they don't have right kind of an important two percent <laughs> all right number four from and our final one we're at 30 minutes but it's lily's last question so i say we knock it out if you guys are on board okie dokie yeah all right uh lily asks do we use intelligent infinity or intelligent energy unconsciously on a daily basis and uh, how about jim you want to Go first. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think we use it consistently and, and com all the time on a daily basis, both consciously and most especially subconsciously. I think that the creator that is within us is always there to help inspire us and to guide us and to love us and comfort us. And that this basic, uh, very basic level of support is something that we don't really think of consciously most of the time. But because it's there we are able to go forward with uh, some sort of confidence that there is a, a reason for what we're doing and a way to accomplish what we want to accomplish. I think that also another way that the Creator is expressed with us is the, uh, what was mentioned before about the prana, or the intelligent energy, that is the gift of our sun body, which is a logos. 
and which comes to us every day through our feet and the lower chakras. And it's kind of like the um, rejuvenating uh, electrical um, work that a, a battery would need to be uh, recharged every day. It gives us uh, this life-giving energy that uh, we wake up uh, feeling refreshed and ready to go and uh, again, uh, ready to experience the catalyst of the day. And the catalyst is what brings us uh, our lessons. If we're willing to look at the catalyst that comes basically through the subconscious mind, that then the conscious mind can begin to try to make sense of it and to see what uh, might be learned there in the way of uh, practical or spiritual lessons. And if we continue to work on the catalyst, that we continue to move further and further along the evolutionary journey. So I think what begins as a very subconscious uh, action or process, as we partake more and more consciously in it, becomes more um, responsive to our efforts, that it takes on a momentum so that we begin to learn more and more uh, effectively and even more quickly to uh, discover that that creator that lies within us is really us and that we are on a journey to become one with the creator. How about you, Austin? What do you think? I don't think I can follow that answer. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Um, I think the only thing I only thought I have to add to that is uh, similar to the idea of... Um, us having unconscious access to this uh, energy that is offered to us. Something else that the Logos offers to us is the archetypal mind, which I think is also um, a configuration of intelligent energy, as Ra was saying. Intelligent energy is that which sort of uh, animates our experience and uh, regulates the rhythms and flows of uh, the universe. And so um, I think the archetypal mind is sort of a result or a type of configuration of intelligent energy that uh, we experience through mostly on an unconscious level uh, and it is working with the archetypes and bringing them to the conscious mind that allows us to fully understand the unconscious aspects of our reality and um, use them in a conscious manner so yeah the unconscious mind is present whether we're aware of it or not, and it is uh, always influencing the way we experience things, the way we learn, the way we transform. And um, I think that is an example of uh, intelligent energy at work in an unconscious way. But I don't have anything else to add besides that. How about you, Gary? As, as always, good answers, Jim and Austin. And I, I don't blow smoke up the rear orifice when I say that. <laughs> um, I, th I hadn't considered uh, what... Uh, Jim had begun describing, and that's the daily experience itself is um, an experience of or manifestation of intelligent energy as it enters in through our base chakra, through our feet, and then as we filter block or allow it to move through us and we color it in various ways and, and so forth. Um, and if you consider that uh, the entire manifest creation, even things that are invisible to us, but are still a part of the, the manifest creation, that which moves through the seven densities and, um, and the physical and the metaphysical worlds are all, this whole thing is built of intelligent energy. Intelligent energy is the, is the substance, is the material. Even light itself is, is uh, one primal 
or foundational manifestation of uh, intelligent energy. So um, that means even our thoughts are um, somehow forms of intelligent energy and our emotions and our, uh, of course, our life energy and our physical bodies. And in terms of how we might use it on a daily basis, I don't know how proper it is to say, um, but... If we use electricity or anything on the electromagnetic spectrum, UV, microwave, infrared, sunlight, when we burn coal for power or fuel, uh, when we combine ingredients into a dinner recipe, when we irrigate our farm fields or manufacture steel, um, it seems to make sense to say that we are using intelligent energy that is stepped down into one of its infinite manifestations of form. Um, in order to modify the material illusion, which is also made of more intelligent energy. Um, it's, it's, it is contained in its uh, many, many forms. Um, and perhaps splitting the atom, as happens in the uh, nuclear process, is an unlocking of intelligent energy from within the atom itself. Um, however, it is for he or she who, through the disciplines of the personality, opens the indigo ray that intelligent energy can be accessed and work with directly um, as in a form that is not contained and stepped down or um, diluted is an interesting word you might use in the form of, say, coal um, or gasoline, but um, <clears throat> is worked with directly in order to create changes in consciousness and changes in the illusion. And uh, on a final point regarding how intelligent energy is contained or nested in all manifested material, um, Don asked Ra how the blocks of the pyramid were moved in 3.8. And Ra says, um, the energy is, though finite, quite large compared to the understanding of your peoples. This is an obvious point, well known to your peoples, but little considered. So you've probably heard um, in new science material how like a drop of the ocean could power an entire city if the energy contained within it could be but unleashed and harnessed. I, I think, I suppose that that is intelligent energy that they're describing. It's not quite infinite, as Ross says, it is finite, but I mean, it's compared to our conventional energies, even our clean energies on this planet, it is um, quite large, as Ross says. And they go on to describe how this energy is intelligent and hierarchical and how um, it is uh, ascendingly intelligent, rather, and how each atom um, contains this. And if you could speak to that intelligence, then its, it's lower or outer forms of finite uh, physical manifestation um, can be manipulated. And that's how the blocks were created and moved and um, they talk about it in greater detail in 3.8. But yeah, that's that's what I think. Um, you guys have any further th intelligent energy <laughs> to share? Nope, that was pretty excellent as yeah, well. Yeah, good job, Gary. All right, well, that takes us to the limit of the show. Jim, would you have anything to say to the listeners? We really appreciate you all listening to us and sending in your questions and sending us your love. And I'm sure you can see uh, that the bottom line here is love. So uh, take this love and go out into the world, share it with others, make it a seed, grow it, plant it, see the creator everywhere, and help bring each other home. The world needs it so badly. 
You've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question for, before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every couple Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Have a wonderful couple weeks, and we'll talk with you then.